He is risen. I am super excited to be here in the house of worship one more time. And y'all excuse me, sometimes I can't hold it. Hello? And when I'm crying, it's not like anything's wrong. It's just that I am so appreciative of what the Lord has done in my life. You don't know, like I know, what the Lord has done for me. And so I'm thankful uh, for this privilege. I'm thankful for this opportunity that God has given us on this day to come and celebrate the resurrection. I am super excited to be here. I thank God for the messages and song that have went forth, the message and dance that will get our mind focused on uh, Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So if you have your Bibles, guys, I'm going to ask you to turn to the 24th chapter of the gospel according to St. Luke. St. Luke chapter number 24, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation starting out. Hallelujah. Are y'all glad to be here today? Is it good to be in the house of worship one more time? How many of y'all know he's not dead? That he is alive? Glory to God. I thank God for this privilege. I thank God for this honor to be able to be here in the house of worship with you this morning. I, um, you know, God is doing some magnificent things in the lives of believers and in the life of this church. Um, and each one of y'all have a story. Each one of y'all have a testimony about the goodness of God in your life and what he's done for you. And, uh, and if I gave you the mic, I'm sure you could, uh, you could testify for a period of time. Uh, because somebody knows that he healed their body. I got a wife that I'm married to that he healed her body from cancer. And some of you have been delivered from various uh, ailments. And it's God who's working in us to do his perfect will. So I thank God for each uh, one of you all. And I thank God for the privilege to be able to testify about the goodness of God. Amen to testify about the goodness of God. We, we serve an awesome God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in him. So let's go to Luke 24. Bless the Lord. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, the KJV says perplexed, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The text says the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? I kind of, Brother Jay, if you don't mind, pop that up in the KJV. I love it. The KJV just kind of has a little certain ring to it when you, when, when you read it. It says, and as they were afraid and bowed down the face of the earth, they said, them, why seek you the living among the dead? Yeah. My, my first inclination was to title this message, stop looking at dead stuff. <laughs> but, but the Lord just wouldn't let me go there. But, but, but he's not dead. Okay, we're going to we're going to we're going to uh uh, uh unpack 
uh, starting from there, but I thank God for you being here and thank God for this Holy Spirit. And God, give me wisdom and insight to share your truth with your people today. Guys, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the central fact of Christianity, of Christian history. On it, the resurrection, the church is built. And without it, guys, there would be no Christian church today. Jesus' resurrection is unique. You know, other, you know, there are other world religions, and other religions have strong ethical systems and value systems. They have different concepts about paradise, and they have various writings and scripture that they hold to be truth. But only Christianity, hear me carefully, only Christianity has a God who wrapped himself in human flesh. Only Christianity has a God who intervened into human history to deliver mankind from the penalty of death that comes with sin. Only only Christianity uh, has that, that concept with it. And, and, and Jesus died for his people. God died for his people. And he was raised again in power and glory to rule his church forever. Everybody say forever. forever. Now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms to us, hear me carefully, it affirms to us that he is indeed the son of God just as he claimed to be. Can we go to Romans, the first chapter right quick? And let's take a look at verses 1 through 6. The Apostle Paul is writing here in Romans chapter number one, and this is just to confirm uh, our belief system. This says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. The text says this in verse number two, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Text says the good news is about his son. I got I to gotta let you in on a secret. Jesus is all through the Bible. He didn't just come into manifestation in the New Testament. The Old Testament points toward him. And he's all throughout the Old Testament and he's all throughout the New Testament. The good news is about his son. In his his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. Text says this, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was what? Raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The text says this, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them. Like, you got to understand something. When Paul says this right here, he's reaffirming the fact that after he had his Damascus Road experience, after he died, after he died to self on the road to Damascus, after meeting the resurrected Savior, he was given a mandate from God to take this gospel message to not only to the Jews, but he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Now, unless you insert yourself into that culture, you just read that and just kind of glance by it. But that was a very big deal in the culture at that time because Jews and Gentiles hated one another. Are y'all listening to me today? Jews and Gentiles just hated each other so much that Jews would travel miles out of the way to keep going from traveling through Gentile territory. You remember when they, they would travel far away to uh, outside to, get, to, to, to not go through Samaria? You remember that time when the Samaritan was mad at the apostles, uh, didn't want them to come that way, and the apostles wanted to ask Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven and kill them all? 
It, it would be similar to some of the racial hatred and the racial vitriol that we've seen in American history, and it's still prevalent today. It would be, it would be similar to the, the, the hatred that's going on with the Ukrainians as they're trying to fight against this madman, uh, Vladimir Putin. Hatred is such a, it's, it's something that's been, been not anything new, but it's been in this earth realm for a long, long time. And so the Jews and the Gentiles, amen, did not get along. But God let the apostle Paul know, and it was always God's plan to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body. And that's the body of Christ. Aren't you glad we serve a Savior who don't care who what you look like on the outside? Aren't you glad we serve a God, amen, who loves us all equally? The Bible said in John 3.16, y'all know for God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting Everlasting life. That Paul is now saying this. So don't miss this when he says this. He says through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Look at verse number six with me right quick. Text says, and you were included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Christ. Now, remember, he's writing to the saints at Rome in here. They were, Rome was a Gentile nation. And so, as a matter of fact, the Roman nation was oppressing the Jewish people. And some of their hatred, Jews, was because of the oppression that they had faced from Gentiles. So you got to be careful that you don't allow your oppressor to cause you to hate. Can I get a witness up in here? You got to be careful that you don't allow that person who treated you wrong, that family member who did something dastardly to you when you were younger, to cause you to hate them. Are y'all ch- tracking with me today? He says that you are included among the, those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms to us that he is indeed the son of God, just as he claimed to be. It also proves that his sacrifice for sin has been accepted and that the work of salvation is completed. I got news for you. If you're looking for a different way to get to God other than through Jesus Christ, there is no other way. Oh, pastor, that sounds so exclusive. That sounds so, uh, 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 you know, uh, that's so wrong because there are many ways to God, not according to Jesus, the resurrected Savior. He says, I am, notice he did not say I am a way, I am what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except what? By me. So, so, so it proves that his sacrifice of sin has been accepted and that the work of salvation is completed. Go to Romans, the fourth chapter, we'll be right quick. Can we unpack some things right here? His sacrifice for sin has been accepted and that the work of salvation is completed. How we get to God is completed. Romans chapter number four, verse number 16. This is a familiar passage of scripture, but I, I want to just walk through it. And we're going to get to uh, the, the, the meat of our text here in Luke, the four, uh, Luke chapter number 24. The Bible says this. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who what? Abraham is the father of all who what? Abraham is the father of what? All who what? Now, it's interesting that all the world's major religions, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, or, uh, uh, or Islam, trace their roots back to Abraham. 
You remember when Abraham uh, and Sarah, God had given them a word about having a child. We're going to see this in just a second. Uh, and they decide to help God out. Have any of y'all ever tried to help God out? God gives you a promise, but you don't see it coming to pass right away. So, okay, God, I'm going to help you out. Lord, I know, you, I know you promised me that I need new transportation, and I really can't afford that car note right now, but, 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 but it looks like it hadn't happened yet, so, so, so I'm going to go down here and fix it, God. And now you, 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 you come in to try to borrow money from me because you can't pay your electric bill, and the reason why you can't pay your electricity bill is because you shouldn't have had that car note had you waited on God. We jump ahead. Am I not the one here that's ever tried to fix stuff that God says he had it? And every time I try to fix it, I seem to mess it up. So you know what I learned, Brent? I learned to wait on the Lord and be of good courage and let him strengthen my heart. I'm going to trust in faith and watch him bring the thing to pass that he promised in his word to me. Let's keep reading. Can we keep going? She says, and we are, says, that is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. I told you the word nations, root word means ethnicity, many, many nationalities. I keep repeating it time and time again. Galatians 3 and 8 says, the gospel was preached aforetime to Abraham, saying that I'm going to make you the father of many nations. So one of the, one of the results of the gospel which is the good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and being resurrected the third day according to what the scripture teaches us. One of the, one of the benefits of that is, is, that, is that, that through that through that death, burial, and resurrection, God brings all of us together into one body. Amen? The body of Christ. Jew, Gentile, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. He brings us all together into one body. Everybody said we should be one. Now, somebody won our contest this past week. I think this is a Pam Simmons, because I've been repeating this scripture, and you ought to know it by heart by now. Uh, John, the 17th chapter, verse number 23. Y'all remember that? Oh, no, y'all don't. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. EBC members who've been here half a minute. What it says, can we paraphrase it? Jesus says, I pray that they are one as you and I are one. This is Jesus Christ praying before he goes to the cross of Calvary. He says, I pray that they are one as you and I are one. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that the world will believe that you love them just as much as you love me. That's the son, Jesus Christ, God manifesting the human flesh, saying and praying to the Father in heaven that, that we would experience such perfect unity that the world, those outsiders, those who don't know Christ, will believe that God sent Jesus. And I've said before, and i said again, I'm repeating this everywhere I go. Part of the problem with the world is, is the church. Because the church has experienced so much division. Experienced division. It's experiencing division because we get off a purpose. We make church, we make serving the Lord about us rather than about him, then we get detached from purpose. And whenever you get detached from purpose, abuse and misuse is inevitable. So we got to get it right. If Jesus said that through our unity, the world will know that God sent him, we need to start being unified rather than divided. Can I get half of what this up in here? So the text said, this is what the scripture means when God told him, I made you the father of many nations. Talk about Abraham. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. How many know God don't need our help, really? 
he can make something out of nothing. Did he make some, did, did he make something out of you when you were nothing? I know he did me. Can we keep reading? Let's go. It says this. Uh, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many ethnicities, of many nationalities. All right. Again, this was unheard of. This, the Bible tells us, was, was a mystery. It was the part of God's manifold wisdom. In, under the old covenant, they didn't realize that even though God poured himself into humanity, he had to choose a family to come through. But the family who he came through thought they had exclusive rights to him. And what, what, what God lets them know is, that, no, 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 my plan all along was, to, to, was for you to be the father of many ethnicities. So anytime you start raising, hear me carefully, anytime you start raising your ethnicity above the word of God and the doctrine of faith, you have misplaced your priorities. Be proud of who you are, but never raise your ethnicity above the saving work of Jesus Christ. Because God's plan all along was to bring all of us together into one body. Can I keep preaching? I'm going to keep doing it then. Let's go. Keep going. It says what? It says, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God has said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Next verse says what? And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's room. Now, y'all know this story. But, I, but, but, but understand what, what happens here. Again, remember, with God, nothing is impossible. Here we have a man who was about 100 years of age. This is before erectile dysfunction medicine was invented. Can we talk? I want to know, can we talk? I've said it before and I've said it again. How many of y'all... Would, would be tripped out if a 100-year-old man came here and told you his 90-year-old his wife, he, they get ready to have a baby. How many of y'all, would, it would just wig you out? Come on, it would trip you out, wouldn't it? So in essence, that's what's happening here. God says, I gave you a promise. You can't see how it's going to work, but just trust me. There are some things that happen in your own individual life where it, it may look like it's not going to happen, but if God gives you a promise, you stand on the promise of his word. Can I get a witness? Can we keep reading? Text says this. Uh, next verse, verse number 20. Let's go. It says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Next verse says, he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever what he promises. My question to you today, who are sitting here listening to me uh, share this word today, how many of y'all are fully persuaded? How many of you are fully persuaded that God is able to do whatever he promised? No, 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 don't fool me now. How many of y'all are fully persuaded that God is able to do whatever he promised? Well, some of y'all saying that, but some of y'all don't believe that. Because there's many promises in the Bible that if, if, you, if you really believed it, you would be operating in it. Take, for instance, Jesus said this, I think it's in Luke 6 and 30, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into your bosom. What's another word for bosom? Well, some call it pocketbook. <laughs> Wallet. 
Grandma would pull money out of her bosom. Any of y'all ever saw grandma pull some money out between the breasts? Just hide that money now. It's maybe a little damp and wet when it come out, but it's still spendable. It's still spendable. Can I, can I get a witness? You, you, didn't, you didn't neglect it. You didn't. Wait a minute now. How many of y'all had grandmama that? I know I can remember this. I don't remember a whole lot. You, you, when you're younger, you don't remember everything. But one thing I do remember about my, my, my mother's mother, Roberta Gay, is she would sit out on the garret. You, let me see the hands of all y'all to know what a garret is. Some of you younger than forty, like, what is a garret? A garret is the porch. All right? She would sit on the front porch and would chew that tobacco and had a spit cup. And I remember being young and out playing out there when we, when we go out to grandma's house. And then there were times when she would give us a little money, but she would just reach down in there and pull some money out. So whatever you want to call it, whether you put it in your Louis Vuitton or put it in your Michael Kors, bosom is bosom. Now, if I believe that if I give, it shall be given unto me, what would stop me from giving? The only thing that would stop me from giving is I really don't believe that it shall be given unto me. Good measure, press down, stay together. Were men given to my bosom? See, some of us are waiting on the Lord to drop it out the sky. And the Lord said, men will give it into your bosom. Some of y'all are praying and believing God for greater increase. And God says, go get a job. Hello. Brother, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm building my brand. Building your brand. Okay, good. Get a job, though. While you're building your brand. Thank you. Get a job while you're building your brand. So, God, if we believe the word of God, my, 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 here's, here's, my, here's my admonition to you. If we truly believe what this word says, it would not stop us from moving on what, what it tells us to do. Here's how you know if you really believe it or not, if you do it. If you don't do it, you don't really believe it. Now, I know you sing about it. Come on, we sing all kinds of songs that we really don't believe. Lord, make a way somehow. When beneath the cross I bow, he will take away. If you let him have you. See, some of y'all, look at y'all. Some of y'all, uh, that's old school gospel. All right, so go, go look it up. But we got to trust God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. He was fully convinced. Everybody said he was fully convinced. Now, again, God had promised him a son by Sarah, not Hagar, the handmaid. Ishmael was a help-me-out situation. And as I, as I oftentimes said, Abraham, I didn't, I didn't see anywhere in the scripture text where Abraham put up, put up a fuss and a fight about going in and sleeping with Hagar. He just went right in, didn't he? Some of y'all brought to me, yeah, but Pastor, I just want to please my wife. You know, she, my wife told me to do that. What did God tell you? Can, can we keep reading? Let's, let's go. Verse 22. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. He didn't count him as righteous because he kept every aspect of the law, because no man could keep all the law. The law was given to show man his inability to keep it. Right? For, so, so for all of y'all who, who, try, who trying to say, I'm living under the law, 
guess what? Whether you're black, Hebrew, Israelite, or whatever, every aspect of the law that you don't do, you're guilty of it all. And when you get to heaven, if you're trusting me, you're keeping the law. But baby, let me tell you something. We're talking about the beam of judgment seat of Christ. That's for believers, but the great white throne judgment. Everything that's written in the book is going to be exposed if you're trying to live and obtain righteousness by keeping the law. God's going to judge you on everything you did. I thank God that I got a Savior who wipes away my sin. I thank God for the blood of Christ. So I don't want to go to the great white throne judgment. That's not for me as a believer in him. Because I know I can't keep the law. That's why I got grace through my Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Can we keep moving? He says, and when God counted him as righteous, it, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit. Two, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. 25 for good measure. He says, he was handed over to, to die because of our sins. Glory to God. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. So, so, so come on. Come with me right quick. See, when God created man, he placed him in the garden, in the environment where he told him to dress it and keep it. He says, you can have free reign in the garden except for one thing. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Is that right? And so Adam and Eve are doing their thing chilling in the garden, and then here comes Satan. And then here comes Satan talking to Eve. And guys, what did we learn in our authentic man class? He came talking to Eve. The command was given to Adam. As Eve is sitting there communicating with the devil, with Satan, Adam is standing there being passive. Let me see if my brothers can remember this. If we're going to be an authentic man, one of the first things we got to do is do what? Reject passivity. God gave him a command, yet he sat, he sat right there by as Eve communicated rather than stepping in and saying, oh, wait a minute, Eve, no, no, no. God told us don't eat of that tree. See, sometimes you can listen to the enemy talk too long, and he'll talk to you into doing stuff that's outside the will of God, and you need somebody in your life who will interject themselves in and say, ah, that's not good for you. So a real man rejects passivity. A real man will uh, accept responsibility. Because Adam, after, after Eve ate and then turned and gave to him, he could have said no. I believe, and I, I think I can prove it theologically, that had, had Adam said no, then we would not be in this position where we are right now. But he didn't. I want to know how many husbands are willing to reject passivity and say, wife, I know you say we need to do this, but, but I don't get a release from the Savior to go that way right now. I, w- I want to know how many, how many, how many husbands will was, was say, listen, for God I live and for God I'll die. And as for me and my house, like Joshua, we're going to do what? Serve the Lord. We're not going to stay at home on Sunday. We're not going to stay at home and not get engaged with the discipleship training of the church. I need some husband who say, I'm going to reject being passive and I'm going to be a man of God that even if my wife don't do it, I'm going to do it. And you'll be surprised, men. And I'll say this, hear me carefully. Most women, most, I'm going to say 99% of of, of women or wives want a husband who will stand for truth and be a man who will lead. 
Most do. Now, and one percent, we got some shack bullies who are one percent. That y'all know what a shack bully is, right? That wife who will take over everything. Now, granted, sometimes they're taking over because the husband's been passive. Can I can I speak truth to you? Husband is being passive just like Adam was in the garden. So we got to reject passivity. We got to accept responsibility. If we messed up, say I messed up. It was my deal. It was my fault. And, and, and listen, guys, people can appreciate you when you learn to say I messed up. It was my fault. I'm responsible for that rather than trying to blame everybody else. See, a true leader don't sit back and say, well, it's, well, it's the people fault. You know, I hear pastors say this all the time. Well, well, you know, I preach to God, but you know, I can't make nobody do it. It's the folks fault. Listen, be a leader. Do what God called you to do and watch God move in the situation. So he, 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 he rejects passivity. He accepts responsibility. He leads courageously. That's what a real God man does. He leads courageously, and then he invests eternal. He invests in things that are eternal. I believe in investing in the natural because we do need money to live, right? We need money to carry us into retirement. But we also need to invest eternally in things that are eternal, the Bible says build up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt it and thieves can't break through and steal it. Yeah. Right? So invest eternally. We got to do that. Can I keep moving? Let's not get sidetracked. So, so those who trust in Christ can walk in newness of life because he is alive and imparts his power to them. Those who, who trust in Christ. I'm going if you can, Jay, pop up Galatians 2 and 20 right quick uh, in the KJV. I love this scripture because it epitomizes what we should be as born-again believers. Now listen, I start off by saying in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were there, and when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then thou, that's when sin entered the earth ran. But now guess what? God already had a plan to redeem mankind back to himself before he ever created man. Because how many of you know God knows us better than we know ourselves? God knows what we're going to do before we ever do it. And he still chose to save us even when he knew we were going to do some things that, that are not pleasing his sight. So he already had a plan to redeem man back to himself. And that involves sacrifice because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no doing away with sin. So God instituted a system under Judaism that had a high priest who would go into the holiest of holies once a year to offer blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. That was a typology. That was a foreshadowing of what was going to come in the future when the Lamb of God would be born in the manger in Bethlehem and go to the cross of Calvary. So God says, even though man messed up, I love him so I still want to have relationship with him, but I can't have relationship with man when man is in sin. Sin will break the fellowship with God. Now, if you belong to God, truly belong to God, sin doesn't break the relationship, but it breaks the fellowship. But now I got news for you. If you can sin and not have any remorse and not have any guilt, you better check and see whether or not you know what true salvation is all about. Because if I'm, if I'm truly born again, I can't stay and wallow in sin because I belong to God. So God says, I, I got a way for man to come back to me. I'm going to pour out of myself because the sacrifice needs to be perfect. And he looked down in earth and he couldn't find anybody who could 
give that sacrifice because nobody was perfect. Moses couldn't do it. He killed a man. David couldn't do it because David did some dirty stuff. How many of y'all know David's story? David saw a woman when he was in a place where he shouldn't have been at a time when kings should be at war. David's back home. Here's a a sermon point. I'm not going to charge you anything for it. Be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be. Stop going. Stop being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Here David was, and he observed this beautiful woman bathing on the rooftop. And then he saw her, but guess what? His was his his fatal mistake. Not only did he see, but he kept looking. How many of y'all are seeing and keep looking? And then not only did he keep looking, but he inquired about who this woman was. And then he went a little step further. See, let me tell you something. Whenever you get into sexual sin, can I talk to y'all right quick? Sexual sin ain't no accident. How did you get pregnant? Yeah, you do know. Yes, you do. You can't enter into sexual sin just by accident. Are you with me? David messed up. So he couldn't be the one. You can go down through Joshua. You can go, you know, nobody was worthy except Jesus himself. Can I get a witness? So Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now listen to me real carefully. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And God knew he wanted relationship with mankind. He created us to have a relationship with him. But you can't go into the presence of a holy God with sin all over your life. What would happen is you would drop dead immediately. So God says, I got to prepare a way to get man back to myself, back to a state where I can commune with him. Because that's the reason why I created him. So I'm going to send my son to offer a sacrifice for the sins of this world. And aren't you glad he did that? They, they danced to that song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He provided a way for us to commune with him. I'm so glad about that. So when we look at this, uh, those who trust him can walk in newness of life because he is alive and imparts his power to him. Jesus' resurrection also declares to us that he is the judge who will come one day and judge the whole world. Now, now, now guys, listen to me carefully. The message of the gospel rest on the death of Jesus and his resurrection. I told you, that's what differentiates Christianity from, from the other world's religion. We serve a, 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 a resurrected Savior. Now, again, if you really want to know where somebody's coming from, ask them what do they do with Jesus. Who is Jesus to you? Because one of the things I've learned is, is to stop asking somebody, are you saved? What I started asking is, tell me about your salvation experience. Because a lot of people will say that I'm saved because they are a member of a church and they go to church. But when you begin to examine their lifestyle, you begin to hear what they say, you immediately begin to recognize that they really don't have a true concept of what salvation is. All right? So stop asking, are you saved? And say, tell me about your salvation experience. And when you tell me about that, I'm going to know whether or not you really know what it means to be saved. Can I get a witness? All right. So the message of the gospel rests on the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 with me right quick. Come on, guys. 
All right. Can we move here? Can we, can we fast forward here just for a second? 1 Corinthians 15, and let's look at verses 1 through 8 right quick. Text says, let me, let me now remind you. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Let me now remind you, dear brothers, this is of the good news I preached to you before. You welcome it then, and you still, and you still stand firm in it. Next verse says what? It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Next verse says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. Text says this, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the script, just as what? The scripture said. Next verse says this, it says, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. This is the time Paul is writing. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. This is the apostle Paul, who Jesus had already ascended back up in heaven, but he met the resurrected Savior on the road to Damascus. Are y'all tracking today? So let's get back to Luke 24 with him right quick. Let's go back. The message of the gospel rests on the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. That's why Satan has attacked the truth of the resurrection. Satan wants to say the resurrection is fake news. Can I use that term? He wants to say it's fake news. The first lie he told was that the disciples came and stole Christ's body. Well, that's really hard to imagine given that the tomb was heavily guarded by Roman soldiers. You can look it up in Matthew 27, verse 61 through 66. And it would have been next to impossible for the scary disciples to overpower the soldiers, open the tomb and take the body. Don't you realize that when, when, when the crucifixion process was, in, was, was, was being laid out and when Jesus was being marched from judgment hall to judgment hall, the disciples scattered because they were afraid. They were afraid. So you mean to tell me these afraid disciples are going to go take on these Roman soldiers who are guarding this tomb and going to discard them and roll the stone away to take the body? They were cowering in fear. They were hiding. They were afraid they were going to be next. So that's a lie. Everybody says that's a lie. Second lie he told. Uh, and by the way, really, guys, if you think about it, the biggest obstacle is the fact that the disciples themselves did not believe that he would be resurrected. Why then would they steal his body and try to perpetrate a hoax? They had trouble believing that he really was going to do what he said he was going to do. The second lie that Satan told us that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He just swooned or he just passed out. Ever said that's a lie? And when he was placed in the cool tomb, that was, that's what revived him. But, you know, Pilate carefully checked with the centurion to see whether or not Jesus was dead. The Roman soldiers who broke the legs of the two thieves knew that Jesus had died because you know, they pierced him in the side, the blood in the water came streaming out. And let me say something about that. Crucifixion was one of the most cruel forms of death or execution that was known to mankind. Even Roman citizens were not put to death by the Romans because it was such a, a, an excruciating form of death. 
And one of the reasons why they would break the legs of men who were being crucified is the fact that if they wanted to bring them down or want them to die sooner, they would break their legs because as a guy was being hung on the cross, crucifixion involves being suffocated. You suffocate on your own blood as you're standing on the cross, okay? And, and so what they would do is they would, try, they would try to push themselves up so they could breathe, right? And so what the, what the soldiers would do as the Sabbath day was getting ready to come, uh, the Jews didn't want them to, them to be hanging on the cross on the Sabbath day. So when they came in, they broke the legs of the two thieves because they were still living. How many of those Jesus died because they didn't kill him? He gave up his life. Can I get a witness up here? But they would break the legs of the one who's being crucified to hurry up the death process so that they couldn't. If your leg is broke, you can't push yourself up to breathe. And if you can't breathe, you're going to do what? Suffocate. And so they had already broken. The, 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 when they got to Jesus to break his leg, he was already dead. But they broke the legs of the two thieves that were on his side. Can I get a witness up in here? So that was the lie that he, he just swooned. He, was, he just passed out and he wasn't really dead. But the resurrection, the resurrected Jesus brought about change in these believers' lives. Get back with me right quick to, to Luke 24. And let's walk, walk through four points. Right, Number one, uh, they had some perplexed hearts, but he opened the tomb to deal with their perplexed hearts. Can we walk through this real quickly? Luke 24, the text says, now, uh, in verse number one, let's go back to Luke 24, verse number one, right quick. Text says, but very early on, on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Text says they found that the stone had been rolled away from this entrance. He says, uh, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, go to the KJV, go to the KJV, watch this, watch this. Watch this in 24 and four. He says, and it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, the two men stood by them in shining garments. Now, guys, the Greek word for perplexed is aporio. Everybody say aporio. That's A-P-O-R-E-O, aporio, which means to lose one's way. It, it's the picture of someone who is so confused that he can't figure out where he is, what he's doing, or what's happening around him. This person is completely bewildered by the surrounding events. Now, again, the text says they were perplexed when they saw the angel. Now, some of y'all have been perplexed, but it wasn't because you saw an angel. Some of y'all have been perplexed because you saw somebody named Jack Daniels. Some of y'all were perplexed because you saw somebody named Jim Bean. Some, can I hit? Oh, that ain't you. Some of y'all were perplexed because you were bewildered because you saw somebody named Johnny Walker. Some of y'all were perplexed because you saw somebody named Hennessy. Some of you were perplexed because you saw somebody named Bloody Mary, or Wild Turkey, or Budweiser, or Coors. Have you ever been so out of your mind that you didn't know what was going on? I, I mean, before you were saved. Are y'all are y'all listening to me? So 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 none of that was familiar to you. Let me ask you a question: How many of y'all have been? intoxicated before I'm not saying at what period of time but you've been intoxicated before oh let me see your hand again we're not putting you on camera (laughs) see when you are intoxicated you don't really know what's going on your faculties have been influenced by the substance that's on the inside of you that causes you to act and behave 
in such a way that you would not normally act and behave. I love, I love quoting this passage because as Christians, the Bible tells us not to be drunk with wine. Are you drunkards? I'm just, just if, if, you, if, if you drink, uh, I, I'm praying for you. I really am. Now, some of y'all say, well, Pastor, you prove it, prove it, prove it. I, listen, the Bible says this, listen. It says, be not drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be filled what? With the Spirit. So why does, why does Paul utilize the concept of drunkenness to describe the infilling of the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked. Here's why. Because when I'm, when I'm drunk with wine or a wild, my daddy used to drink wild turkey. Anybody know what wild turkey is? And this is, this is, I don't know if I ever told this story or not, but I, I know I didn't tell him. But there was, there, there was a one time when I would see him drinking wild turkey, and I was just wondering, what's so good about that wild turkey? And my curiosity, Scott, got the best of me, and I decided to go in the cabinet, get a little cup, and drink some wild turkey. And when I drank the wild turkey, my throat was burning like it was on fire. And I didn't see why anybody would want to drink, Levi, wild turkey. But if you drink enough of the wild turkey, it would cause you to enter a state of drunkenness to the point that you couldn't control what you were doing. You were under the influence of alcohol. They call it DUI, driving under the influence. So when Paul says, be not drunk with wine, which is where in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's an appropriate comparison because when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, can I get a witness? That means I'm being controlled by him. And when I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, there are certain things I'm not going to do because he's controlling me. He's keeping me alive. He's keeping me within the boundaries. So my, my, my admonition to all of y'all is don't get drunk with wine, but get filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness? And watch God maneuver in your life like never before. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed. They're about, behold, two men standing by them in shining garments. Keep reading. It says, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said to him, why? Here's what the angel said. Why seek you the living among the dead? Keep reading. He says this. He says, he is not here, but is risen. Remember, he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. Now watch this. This, this, this verse, verse 5 was somewhat sort of a little bit of rebuke. Go back to verse 5 with me right quick. It says, and as they were afraid, it says, they said to them, why seek you the living among the dead? The angel's message to the women right here is he's reminding, he's getting ready to remind them about what Jesus had told them. He was, he, 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 he talked about the fact, go to the next verse. It says this, it says, uh, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. Let me tell you something. See, when we forget what the word of God says, we won't have faith to do what the word of God says. Faith coming by and hearing by what? The word of God. So what happens is, if we're not careful, we'll allow the, 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 the vicissitudes of life, the ins and outs, the going and the coming, the rain and the, and the winds and the storm that come in our life, we will allow that stuff to get our focus off what God's word says. 
And when we get our focus on what God's word says, we can't operate in the promise. Here he says, here he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke, spake unto you when he was yet in the Galilee. And I don't have time to go to him, but Jesus oftentimes said uh, that he was going to uh, go to the cross and he was going to die and be resurrected. And the third day I'm going to rise again. He said in Matthew 16 and 21, he said in Matthew 17, 22 to 23, he said in Matthew the 20, chapter verse number 17 through 19, he said in Luke 9 and 22, he said in Luke 9 and 44, he said in Luke 18, 31 to 34, all the time Jesus kept telling them about his resurrection. But yet still, in this moment, they forgot. See, if you're not careful, when tragedy comes, when sickness comes, when, when, a, when a, a precarious situation engulfs your life, when your children go astray, if you're not careful, you'll forget what the word of God says. And the thing that we got to do when I got a sickness in my body, I need to go to the word. And by the way, guys, I want y'all to be praying for uh, Chad and Charday Plato. Uh, that, that little uh, three-year-old uh, baby, J- is it Janiah? Three-month, three-month, not three-month, three-year-old, three-month-old baby. Uh, it's in hospital, and they had to fly her to New Orleans. Um, uh, she has a heart issue uh, that's causing her to have difficulty to breathe. So y'all pray for her. But they're standing in faith. We, we prayed with her and gave scripture, but you, you pray for them. Amen? Uh, because when a three-month-old three is going through something like that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's really tough on the parents. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in what James says. If any of them are sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and pray over them. And the prayer of faith will raise them up off their sick bed. And I believe in the power of prayer that God is still in the healing business. Do you believe that, Cats? I know you do. He's still in the healing business. God can still do the supernatural if we'll only believe. So y'all pray for the platers as we stand in agreement as that young child gets ready for surgery. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. So, so, so let's get back and we got to get, so, so they were perplexed in heart, but he opened the tomb. One writer said it this way, uh, that the, the, the earthquake came and, uh, the, the angel was there and the tomb was open not to let Jesus out because he had a glorified body. He didn't need the stone to be rolled away. Can I get a witness? He had a glorified body. But the stone was rolled away to let them in so they could see and experience the fact that Jesus was no longer there. Can I get a witness? So, so when we look at this, so their perplexed hearts were solved when he opened the tomb. Second thing is they had some discouraged hearts. Look at verse number 13. Let's go down to verse number 13 right quick. So he talks to the ladies. But, but now, before we do that, back, back up. Can you, can you back up with me to verse number six? Verse number six, glory to God. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. Next verse says this, saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. What are they doing? They're putting them in remembrance of the word. And guys, anytime you're going through anything, you got to get back to the word. Now, again, you can't get back to something that you've never been in. That's why it's critically important for us to spend time studying the word of God. The word of God produces the faith that we need to operate. We said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, consistent hearing, not having heard one time. 
So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but I spend no time in the word, then I don't have any faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. The person that comes to God has to believe that God is, and he's a rewarder of those who do it, diligently seek him. So faith can't come just by you coming to church. Thank God for church. But it has to be deeper than that. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we got to go deeper. See, the word of God produces a, a confident assurance that what God says will come to pass. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Next verse says what? And they remembered his words. Now watch this. They remembered his words. When they remembered his word, faith is now ignited. Well, but they got to go and talk to the disciples. They got to go talk to the apostles. Now remember, Jesus had told them this countless number of times. Here we, he sends the women to go and preach the message that he is alive. He's not dead. Wouldn't it be, some people would say, well, you know, I don't know about those women going and telling them about that. Listen, I do know because the, the Bible just said they went and told him. The Bible says this, after the day of Pentecost, he says uh, that this is what, the, what, what has happened on Pentecost is, is, is what God had promised by the prophet Joel. And in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What does it mean to prophesy? To foretell what thus said the Lord. Prophesying is preaching. So if your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy, and he goes on and says, in in, in case you misunderstood it, he says, I'm going to pour up my spirit on your handmaidens and your servants. Handmaidens are females, servants are males. And I'm going to pour up my spirit on handmaids and servants, and they're going to do what? Prophesy. So they're doing that right here in this text, and they remembered his words. They remembered his words, and now they're going to tell the disciples. Look at verse 13. I got got to move. Verse 13. It says, and behold, two two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And the text says, and it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. The text says, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. In other words, they did not recognize Jesus at this time. Because, again, they had some discouraged hearts. Watch this. And he said to them, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? text says this, and the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, I kind of like Cleopas. Everybody say Cleopas. Name your next child Cleopas, okay? (laughs) I just kind of like that name Cleopas, okay? Answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not not known the things which have come to pass there in these days? Now, here they are talking to the resurrected Savior, but they didn't recognize him. Keep reading. It says what? He said to them, what things? And he said, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Next verse says what? But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. They were looking for a deliverer in the, in the, in the common sense to deliver them from Roman oppression. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Keep reading. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. 
Watch this. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Next verse says, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Next verse says what? Then he said to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Here is Jesus talking to those who are followers of him previous to the resurrect, to the crucifixion and the resurrection, and they don't believe the report of the women. Go back and fill in the gap between those verses I left out where when the women came and told the disciples, the Bible said they thought they were foolish. The guys who had walked with Jesus thought that the women coming and telling them what Jesus had promised was foolishness. I'm going to say something here, and, and I, I want this to challenge men. Sometimes men tend to be less prayerful and less spiritual, tend to be. Not in all cases. But in my experience, too many times I see the, the, the lady or the wife or the mother, the, uh, uh, the, the wife being the one to be in the spiritual leader in the home, and God says, I need you as a man to lead your family spiritually. It has been proven that when, when men get right with God, there's a, there's a higher percentage chance that the whole family would accept the way of faith. But too many men are on the cusp and on the peripheral of coming to church but not really being a part of the church. Coming to church but not really being sold out to Jesus. And your children are watching how you do life. Brothers, your children are watching how you do life. They want to see, do your children see you praying? Do your children see you calling on your God? Do your children see you and your wife talking about the things of God at home? Or they just see you going to the ball games? Men are good about that. And I thank God you ought to support your children in what they do, but you ought to support them and train them in the things of God. With your wife's help. Shh. 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 Listen, brothers. I'm calling you out to become the spiritual leader that God designed you to be. The Bible says, told the, to, to, the, the, the fathers to provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Fathers. So daddies, I'm calling you out. Be the man that God called you to be. I, no matter how much you messed up in the past, today is a new day. Let's start anew. Let's start afresh and be the man, man who brings your child to be involved, to bring your child to the house of God, that sits down and prays with your child, that sits down and read scripture with your child. Stop being the passive man. And let's learn how to lead courageously. I got to stop y'all because my time is up. But do y'all understand that these followers of Christ were here and they were discouraged because they didn't believe truly what Jesus had said. I'm going to say it for, uh, again, one, once more again. You don't really believe something until you act on what you say you believe. We can talk about it. You can pray about it. But until you act on what you believe, you don't really, or what you say you believe, you don't really believe it. Because faith is an action word. Jesus rose from the grave 
And we see him now interfacing with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And yet, they were doubting. My question to you today is, are you doubting? Do you really understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking about coming to church. There are folks who come to church and if they die right now, they would not be in, in, in the presence of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Because coming to church doesn't make you save any more than park, standing in the garage makes you a car. You know what's really on the inside. You really know what your heart burns and desires for. And if it's not the things of God, I want to encourage you today to come to this altar and let us pray with you. The Savior resurrected from the grave. Oh, by the way, I'll finish this next week. Okay? I'll finish this next week. And I want you to come back next week. I really do. You, you have a personal invitation for me to come back and let's finish the rest of the story. They were perplexed, but what did he do with the perplexed heart? He opened the tomb, rolled the stone away, allowed them to go in and see that the body was not there. He had resurrected. The angel says, he's, he's alive. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Stop looking amongst the dead and start looking amongst that which is alive. They were discouraged on the road to Emmaus. But we're going to see where Jesus opens their eyes to where they could see. And when they, he opened their eyes where they could see, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? See, when you, when you actually start seeing spiritually, your heart's going to be on fire. Now listen, we're going to close a little bit different today, okay? I want to give prayer warriors, if y'all would, altar workers, if y'all, if y'all would come, I want to close this a little bit different today. I want to give opportunity for prayer. Whatever your prayer need is, whether it's salvation, whether it's just repent, because maybe maybe you were with the Lord, but maybe you backslid, and maybe you stopped doing the things you used to do, and you say, I want to make a transformation. I want to do it differently. Maybe you're here, and the Lord is placing your spirit to become a part of this fellowship. You want to be a part of this church. Whatever your need is, I'm here to tell you God is able to meet that need. He can meet that need. Right now, maybe you got sickness in your body. Maybe there's financial situation you're going through. Maybe you have a relationship problem and that you need prayer for. Maybe you have an addiction. Whatever it is, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you today. And we're going to dismiss this way, okay? We're going to, sing, we're going to start singing a song. And, and, and those who have a prayer need, I want you to come to the altar. And for those who, who don't, that's cool too. And you, you, you'll be dismissed. But we want to give opportunity for, for you to come and pray. Listen, 
If you're not sure of your salvation, what better day to get that blessed assurance than on Easter Sunday? What better day to say, you know, I want to I be sure that I'm saved. If I were to die right now, where would I spend eternity? The Bible speaks of two destinations, heaven or hell. And we don't talk much about it. A lot of churches don't talk about it, but we still preach about heaven and hell. Because I don't want anybody to, to slip and, and miss it and think that, that I'm a good person, so God's going to accept me. And the only way we get to heaven is by through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? Glory.